Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And I hope that the new year is off to a great start for all of you. And we just took a week off of our normal podcast schedule and got caught up on some sleep. We reintroduced ourselves to our families. We also took some time to make some really big plans for the upcoming year, and we can't wait to bring it in 2017. Absolutely. We've got some really exciting stuff that we're working on, and we can't wait to share it with you. But as we get rolling today, we just wanted to take a second and recognize that you might be new to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. Thanks for jumping in. With Sandbox, we want to ask big questions about life and knock down walls with curiosity and conversation. We also want to continue to build a kind of virtual community where no one has to travel alone. That's right. And over the years, we've had uh, remarkable guests like Peter Rollins, Heather Lynn, Shane Claiborne, Becca Stevens, Science Mike McCarg. We've talked about belief in the age of fake news, food insecurity, addiction, the importance of rest. I guess, you know, covered some different things, a couple topics. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've been all over the map. Yeah. But today we're really excited to bring New York Times bestseller, and I might add, friend of Oprah, Rob Bell with us into the sandbox. Yeah, Rob is the author of a ton of books. He's the host of his podcast called The Robcast. He toured with Oprah Winfrey on her Life You Want tour, and he was named by Time Magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. In the world. But he has never been on the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. He has not until now. And so a few months ago, we were on a road trip out to California. And we thought, hey, we would love to talk with, with Rob Bell if, as long as we were out there. We didn't think that he'd be able to connect with us. We had no idea if the timing would work out. So we sent him a letter asking for an interview, but more saying, hey, at least send us a rejection letter. We could have the coolest rejection letter to hang up on the wall. We want to collect rejection letters and put them up on the wall and, and just have that be our hall of failure. <laughs> if you will. And you will, because yeah, that's, what we're, that's what we're calling <laughs> that's, that's it. That's what we're calling it. Our studio here in Rochester, Minnesota, the Hall of Failure. But yeah, we wanted to have a, a rejection letter if he couldn't actually meet with us. And so we requested that. And then he sent us this letter. It was kind of the most uh, the scathing acceptance letter I've ever read. He, he, he was really, I don't know, he was very rejection-y in the letter. But then it wasn't, he didn't actually say no. He didn't say no. He didn't say no. So it was kind of like Dumb and Dumber. You're saying we've got a chance. We followed up and sure enough, uh, Rob was generous enough, kind enough to make time uh, for us. And, and we were so, so happy that he did because we get to share this interview uh, with you. And uh, so we caught up with Rob in West Hollywood. It was a few months back. And this is our conversation. Welcome to episode 35, Failure, Rejection, and Being Human with Rob Bell. Welcome to the Sandbox. So just a little bit of context. We sent an invite to Rob Bell, who is sitting with us here in our makeshift studio in <laughs> West Hollywood. It's not bad for a makeshift studio. Yeah, it's no, pretty, pretty no. solid for a makeshift pretty studio. <laughs> so we sent you an invite to be on our podcast, and we really wanted to talk to you but we also understand that you're rob bell and you know oprah and <laughs> so <laughs> so we understand you're a busy man and we wanted just a good rejection letter if we couldn't talk with you we wanted a good rejection letter uh, to frame in our new studio that we're building right now uh, and what we got was of course the, the most scathing acceptance letter ever. oh but when you said when i met you in person and you said you know 
we would love a, a good we we collect rejection letters yeah. and we frame them. I yeah. was like, I gotta I gotta write something to get on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> it was like chum in the water right there. Like, I've got to write something that might make it on the wall. Well, and I've also. Um, and, and you might have something to say about this, but I, I wanted a, a good rejection letter from the Green Bay Packers because I wanted to apply, because I'm from Wisconsin, as you can tell by my nasally accent. But uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to, a good rejection letter from them to be their chaplain so that I could hang it on the wall. That's on letterhead. That's all I'm asking for. And so that's been a life goal. <laughs> would you like to meet the chaplain? I would love to meet the chaplain. We could arrange that. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the, I've, I've done a bunch of talks with the t- pregame talks with the team. Wow. And um, so I was thinking, like, what should I do? Because I was assuming that they get, like, go, be a victor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did an introduction to quantum physics. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, so much fun. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. And then I did one on uh, an introduction to nonviolence. <laughs> first time I ever spoke to them before a football game, I did an introduction to nonviolence <laughs> and gave the first century roots of turning the other cheek. And what third way, third way nonviolence looks like, and how to p- to come up and demonstrate, and then talked about the options of violence that our world gives us. It's fantastic. Before oh. game. Yeah, yeah. And then I did one on. Uh, so you're the blame <laughs> for last season. Actually, there were a couple of times. I think I've done it. I think like five times, but two oh. of, two of the first, a couple of the first times they had glaring losses. Wow. And I had made the mistake of saying something like, "Hey, I wasn't here last week." I was, uh, I was giving a pregame talk to the Packers, but, and somebody quickly figured out, by the way, every time you do it, they have a, <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible game. But then I think at the end, the last couple times I've done it, they've done okay. Well, they did know. a preseason game, so it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Somebody filled out a Yelp review on Rob Bell's pregame talk. They're like, don't have that guy come in, you'll lose. <laughs> if that's the case, go to the Vikings next time, we'll be all right. I so, love it. I love it though that that is your. You would like to be the chaplain there. Oh yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. I, I mean, I've, I've got a sweet, sweet gig, and except for working with Chris, um, <laughs> it's all right. But no, we we got a sweet. You know, good thing going. But to be a chaplain there, or to get the rejection letter on letterhead. That's strong. It's it's, it's good. That would be it's awesome. good stuff. Good stuff. But we want to talk about rejection and failure um, because we were at your How to Be Here event, and would love to oh, hear. Yeah. Love to hear more about how to be here um, and what you've been learning, what you've been hearing about uh, as you've kind of gone around the country. But what would you have to say about the way rejection and failure can influence us and, and what that can do? Well, one of the things I noticed over the past few years is every time I would talk to somebody who was doing something they loved or seemed to be thriving in their work, mm-hmm. you trace back their story and it's like one failure after another. And that those always seem to be the most significant moments of definition and sculpting and framing and shaping. Mm-hmm. They would be like, and then I lost all my money. But in a weird sort of way, it like helped me realize what matters. Or and then my divorce was finalized. Mm-hmm. And it was like the start of a whole new thing. So I just kept noticing that for many people, their success and failure is a very clear binary. You've either succeeded or you've failed. But I kept noticing how many people, when they talked about what we would call success, gave credit to their failures, and often in a very counterintuitive way. Mm. Like, I know it was the weirdest thing, like the thing totally tanked, but somewhere in there, mm-hmm. I learned the thing that actually got me to this place. Yeah. Um, so I just don't see failure in those categories anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and 
in some ways, failure is simply learning what didn't work. Um, and failure also keeps you humble. It keeps you open. Um, when you win, it's like that team that's undefeated part through the season and they interview mm-hmm. the coach and the coach is not like, yeah, the coach has this sort of anxious tension. Like <laughs> there's a bunch of things that my players aren't having to deal with. Like we're a little bit lazy on defense, but we've won. So no one realizes how at some point that's going to get exposed. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I just don't see it all in those terms anymore. Mm-hmm. So do you think that that's like a like an external pressure thing that's distracted us to not be able to see how helpful failure is? Absolutely. And perfection is in many ways the god of the age. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Greeks gave us perfection, which was fantastic. The ideal. Um, humanity at its best, which is fantastic. But the Jews gave us this... The, in, in Jewish culture, they have this Hebrew word tov, which means good, but it's a good that can handle dark, mm. can handle emptiness, it can handle being buried. It's it's uh, the sun is good, but the sun also sets. Then it's night, and that's part of good. Uh, mm. It's much more expansive, and so that perfectionist mm. thing can just crush people. And and actually, if you think about it in terms of power and capacity, if this thing doesn't have the potential to really bomb, then it doesn't have within it the inherent potential to do something really fantastic. Like if you're going to raise a, if you're going to have a kid that you want that kid to change the world, that kid could also make a mess of things. The very nature of power is if something is loaded with latent potentialities, that could go either way. (laughs) The very nature of the whole, you're going to make humans. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have an earth, um, if you're going to have continents and plate tectonics, you're going to have thriving human beings. You're also going to have earthquakes. Um, And I think that's one of the things that for many people, you have to make peace with power. You have power to make choices, hmm. and some of those choices are going to lead you to unbelievable heights, and some of them are going to make a mess of things. <laughs> but if you actually pay attention when you made a mess of things, you might really become somebody with something, something to give and something to say. Because if we don't learn from our failures, then we're, we'll keep, yeah. you know, yeah. be on spin cycle, right? Right, right, right. And, and you said um, perfection is the god of the age. <laughs> Along with lots of other gods, but yeah. A lot of, yeah, right, right. Are we, is that why we are risk averse? I see. Well, you see a lot of people are like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this, but I'm just, I mean, it might not be well received. Well, if you make anything and put it in the world, Mm -hmm. you're going to experience some form of resistance. So um, it's all, it's the wrong question. Yeah. The question is, is there something you need to do? So just do it. Um, And, and, uh, for many people, this fear, also one of the things that, the ways that fear works, fear generally only has one line of dialogue, which is no. Okay. Fear's like a character that keeps stumbling into the play, keeps, <laughs> keeps barging through the door onto the stage, right. and the actors are moving the plot forward, and the fear is the character that just stumbles in and goes, uh, no. And then three <laughs> acts later, when everybody has, everything has progressed, Fear stumbles back in and says, no, all fear, fear often just has this one line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes what fear says to you is, hey, this, this could really bomb. And the proper response when fear says that to you is, I know. Because <laughs> fear thinks that's a new idea. Hey, you, hey not everybody might like this. Um, but fear doesn't know what to say when you say to fear, I know. And you smile like, I know. This could be really bad. And here we go. I know. Here we go. Yeah. We're right. living. 
We're trying stuff. Yeah. We're alive. That's the thing. Mm. <laughs> so that's part of it is, is, is reminding fear that you are a couple steps ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and fear is good at some level. You think about our, our, our ancestors, early reptilian brain, like, yeah. is there a lion in the bushes or not? Like fear got us here. Yeah. Fear got us this far. Fear was like, hey, there's a lion run the other direction really fast. <laughs> so what happens is fear has been, fear has been on your side. It's just oversteps its boundaries. So yeah. part of it is yeah. just being like, thank you, fear. Um, <laughs> not now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Mm. So as far as failure and rejection, um, because, you know, Oprah, you haven't experienced <laughs> any of that. <laughs> Sorry to keep harping on that. <laughs> I was <laughs> in my rejection letter when I put that line, I was like, I hope they think, I hope they see how that that's funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, good. No, I would never actually pure, type that. Pure comedy. <laughs> pure comedy. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, a good chunk of the things that I've created made didn't go that great. Yeah. Lots of sermons just ended with a v. <laughs> I spoke somewhere recently and from my perspective was like, that was just a bomb. Yeah. Like you just, you just lost the plot. That was not mm. that strong. Um, but isn't, yeah. isn't that often the time though, that maybe you weren't as crappy as you thought you were? <laughs> well, I mean, because one of the things is, uh, I was talking about this with someone earlier today. The more you do your work, the more you learn to trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I, I make things and communicate. So um, I'm like, it's like you're totally on this path of learning how to trust your instincts. And you're also learning how to not listen to your instincts. <laughs> right. Because the moment when you're like, oh, that was a turd. It will generally be the moment someone says, hey, yeah. thank you. That changed my life. Yeah. So yeah. it's like at this, you're refining and you're learning to know what you're doing, and you're also learning <laughs> to ignore some yeah. of that and just be like, I did, the, I did my best, I'll listen, I'll learn, yeah. and then we'll move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, the times that I've, I've given a talk and I've just been like, nailed it. <laughs> Everybody's right. like, yeah, nice try, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people are like, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You're, and sometimes you are so captivated with it you just naturally assume everybody will be captivated with it. And so you do less work that needs to be done to help mm. people be captivated by the thing that you are captivated by. Cause you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm just going to show them and they're going to think it's awesome. Right. It's like, actually there's a whole bunch of work yeah. that it takes. Well, and a whole lot of experiences that you've had in getting to like, you've built up toward that thing that you think is awesome. Right. 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> 25 years of making stuff. Mm. So, yep. and that's part of it also is for people to understand it's you're playing a long game here. Mm -hmm. So whatever mm -hmm. somebody does, being a parent, uh, there's a good chance your kid might be, you might be sharing a house with your kid for the next 20 years, 18 years. And then they might come back. 27 years. Yeah. Yeah. 32 years. <laughs> um, this is a long, long play here. Yeah. So, all right. So today you think you may have uh, blown it a little. We have tomorrow and the next day. Mm -hmm. And even people who are thinking like, I'm thinking about trying this or trying that. Great. Try it. Go after it. Mm -hmm. And in 11 years, the amount of wisdom you will have built up. Or even somebody who wants to be more courageous. They want to be less fearful. They want to have less anxiety. They want to be uh, more hopeful. You could set your intention to being for that one trait. And guess what? In seven years, in 17 months, in seven months, you'll probably have made some progress. 
Mm. I wonder if we don't reflect backwards often enough to see that, though. You know, I, I just think about... Um, in the things that I have noticed different in myself, the only reason I know that is because I've stopped for a minute. Yeah, and exactly. Said, wow, in high school I never would have done that. In college I never would have done right. that, right? Right. So many people, you're like, wait, 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 how would you have responded three years ago? Oh, man, I would have thrown stuff and I would have, how did you respond today? I took a deep breath. Dude, <laughs> celebrate. And this is actually, to me, one of, the, one of the great, most important things about spiritual growth, all growth, is you celebrate movement wherever you see it. Um, even if it's something mm. like unbelievably, t- I'm a little less angry at that person today than I was yesterday. That's movement. Yeah. Um, and if you see an evolving universe in which we take an endless series of steps forward and sometimes steps backwards and then another step forward, um, then you're able to embrace movement wherever you see it. Uh, but with this, with perfection comes, you're either there or you're not. You either arrived or you not, or you haven't. Um, but, but the real joy comes from the tiny little movements forward. Oh, oh my word. I, three years ago, look what I would have done in that situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. Rejection's a great starting line. Failure is a great starting line mm-hmm. in, that, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Often it's our failures and rejections that help us to move on to the next thing. It's often those parts of life that lead us to look back and show us how much we've actually moved. Yeah, you know what, Chris? Failure is fascinating. When I look back at the the course of my life and I see uh, the failures that I've had, they're actually, in some ways, the growing pains of getting Mm -hmm. me to where I I eventually have always wanted to go. And failure is an absolute, maybe necessary part of of that movement. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That learning to be able to move forward. Mm Mm-hmm. So as our conversation continued, we talked a little bit about the way the world is changing and how people are often finding themselves stuck, where their narratives, their ways of understanding the world, religious, cultural, or otherwise, they aren't working for them anymore. Well, millions of people keep growing. And the thing about consciousness is once you see, you can't unsee. And once you taste, you can't untaste. And when a narrative isn't working, then you get a new one. So my observation would be you just see right now millions of people updating and adapting the narrative. Mm. Um, So a number of people in the modern world were raised without an awareness of the connection between the earth and our souls and our spirits and nutrition and seasons. Uh, So what do you have now? You have the emergence of Whole Foods, this massive chain of stores that are about good food from the earth that's good for your body. And it's growing like gangbusters. So, and at the heart of it is this conscious capitalism of it should be good for the earth, it should be profitable, it should be good for people, it should respect employees. So I would see that as a classic example of, a narrat- of people adapting a better narrative. Um, actually, when you put crap in your body, you feel like crap. Um, and actually, your body is a temple. There's something holy and sacred about what you eat. So I would think that that was a, an excellent example to me of um, where people just simply change their narrative. And uh, I think some people might just, obviously people just stay in a systems that are awful and don't work for them, but um, maybe it's just because most of my, my work is with people who are, okay, what do the new narratives look like then? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. also interesting that in Celtic spirituality, second century Celtic spirituality, care for the earth and our intimate relationship with the soil 
was central to what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. So sometimes what appears to be a new narrative is just reclaiming. And Genesis, what's the second mm -hmm. command in the Bible to have a proper relationship with the soil? So oftentimes when people think, oh, this narrative isn't working, we need to move forward. Yeah, but actually everything you need is already in your own tradition. Or the number of people who've just realized that the divine is bigger than whatever theological system they were handed. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, uh, Moses uh, interacts with a divine being who keeps insisting that this divine being has no shape or boundary or edges. Um, is infinite. You can see where I just was. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so oftentimes what you need um, or what would help you go forward has been there the whole time. You just didn't realize it. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, sometimes that feels like it takes courage because the people around you won't mm -hmm. understand. It still works for them. They're not asking questions. And you right. either ask those questions and go where it takes you or you live as a, a split self. Mm. So the people you, perhaps you're referring to, somebody's sitting in a church service, they don't buy any of it, and they keep sitting there because I guess I'm supposed to. Um, that's living, that's here but not here. That's a split. Your, mm. your soul is split. Do you think that has to do with that kind of perfection held up too? Uh, for a lot of people, the whole thing was, here's what you do. Right. Because there's somebody somewhere who, if you don't do or believe or say or pray or attend X, Y, and Z, then you are going to pay for it when you die. Um, and when you come to see how that narrative doesn't, it, it doesn't work, it's not true, it's actually quite toxic. Yeah. Now yep. you can actually live. Um, I mean, when Jesus talks about eternal life, he's talking about now. He's talking about that which is present here now that is already yours that you can wake up to. Oh, it's just so it's incredible stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, it, and it's, 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 uh, it's reclaiming, but in, in the conversations that I've had, um, it's, it's the thing that we look to maybe other traditions and say, Oh, well, they have that. Why don't, why don't we have that? Ours seems boring. And I think it's maybe the, uh, that, that Christianity is so normalized in our culture that we don't, Maybe oh, see the power in it a little interesting. bit. Interesting. Uh, normalized, fossilized. Yeah. Um, and I think when a lot of people, well, when you talk about, I mean, somebody in America or in the Western world talking about their understanding of the Jesus movement, I always want to know what they're talking about because rarely are they describing something that is anywhere near what I understand to be the Jesus movement. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So you have the Bible mostly, well, okay, all written by minorities living under the oppression of global military superpowers. Um, n no wonder if you were a citizen of a global military superpower, you might miss some of its central themes. <laughs> it, it was written with the boot of empires on its neck. Um, mm -hmm. So the Bible has a harsh, enduring critique of the use of power because it's written by people who military power has made them absolutely miserable. <laughs> um, so mm -hmm. uh, lots of themes simply get missed. And uh, so sometimes you need fresh eyes um, and sometimes just the, a couple of comrades who you're, you're all seeing the same thing. Wow, this thing is a whole giant system that has nothing to do with what Jesus was talking mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about how many of the gospels, there was a very established belief among certain people of who was in and who was out. And every time Jesus comes up against a system that says, we're in, they're out, we're clean, they're unclean, we have God's favor, they don't, he's like, no. <laughs> Try again, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So 
like you can just draw those straight lines. Any system that's like we have it, everybody else doesn't. <laughs> it's a system that Jesus would say it doesn't work like that. Right. <laughs> you know, and part part of seeing it with fresh eyes and kind of kind of opening yourself up to a possibility is, is, is it was Richard Richard Rohr who's who's talking about. Well, every time the church split, we lost something. Ah. And then it split again, and we lost it a little more. Yeah. And then it split again, and then Reformation happened, and then we split like a million times. Right. And so now the tradition that we have, uh, you know, you can fit in a tote bag, <laughs> but it's massive, and we only have a piece of it. Yeah, and that's the thing I think about going back to your question, and your question is you don't have to see it that way. You can just claim all of it. Mm-hmm. So you can just claim, I think, I think in 1 Corinthians 3, when the Apostle Paul talks about all things are yours. Uh, so I don't have any sense that I'm missing out. I claim everything that helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hugest, the biggest thing about narratives is uh, so many people, their questions are questions of disempowerment, like this thing somehow is happening to them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the fundamental move that inaugurates the story of scriptures is the exodus. People cry out and they're liberated from enslavement. So I always begin with the cry and with the liberation forever enslaves you. And when people are enslaved by a disempowered, I guess this is just the story I've been handed. No, yeah, you, you, <laughs> you could be free. Um, so make new narratives or rediscover the ones that have been there the mm. whole time that you missed. Like why live with something lame? <laughs> <laughs> and what's odd to me is that for some reason, for this little blip in 21st century Western culture, you have people who are part of a religion that is about the liberation from bondage, speaking as people who are enslaved. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no wonder you're standing at a distance from your own tradition. Mm-hmm. You don't understand the power that's within your own tradition or the fundamental story, which is, come on out. <laughs> Come on out. So that's what I would say to anybody yeah. Yeah. who was like, well, I just don't have this, I don't have this, then get it. Yeah. Then claim it. Then change. Then mm-hmm. stop going to that and start doing this or whatever it is. Worship at the utilitarian church. If it works, you use it. <laughs> <laughs> or simply uh, stop blaming your own lack on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I do that, yeah. That's just what we were talking about earlier today. Is, is we've I mean we've been on this this road trip and we've been talking with. Hey, all, yesterday we did five interviews. And, oh my word! Yeah, no. And the day before. And the day before. So oh ten word. in two days and uh, <laughs> just road warriors. And uh, but as we were talking and yesterday in particular, it was striking. People were encountering things that didn't exist, mm-hmm. and so they said, "Now yeah, we're going to do that." Uh, it, for one, it was a, a, a way of do, having a health practice. For another, it was um, addressing the problem of, of police brutality in, in, mm. in Oakland. Uh, for, uh, for another, it was, hey, I'm uh, 20-something, and there's nobody who's talking my language of faith anymore. You know, it just, mm. it, person after person, it was, and then they did the thing. Yeah. And it's the courage to do that, and and kind of coming full circle, the the ability to fail and, if necessary. And frankly, it's why we're. I mean, it's why we're sitting here. Like yeah. the only reason that this podcast exists is because we kind of said, "Wow, uh, those conversations are not helping 
And maybe if we threw something into space that we thought was helpful, somebody else might find it helpful and not feel like they're by themselves. Yeah. 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 And everything, you're right, everything is changing. And uh, that's how historical movements arise, Mm -hmm. is people realize, oh, you could just change it. (laughs) 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 Which is the most basic idea until you don't see it. Um, And then it is complete fog. But once you realize that you could just change it, Mm -hmm. um, and when a number of people realize, well, you could just change it, then you get, yeah, yeah, the whole thing turns. Yeah, Mm. yeah. And I was shaped early talking heads, Mm -hmm. um, midnight oil, violent femmes, this Mm -hmm. very do-it-yourself. You have something to say, and you sweat it out, and you figure out what it is, and then you give it everything you've got. Yeah. And that's... That's the gift. That's, That's the joy. Right. That's the gift you've received mm. that you got to do it. So I, um, I, and then when I became a pastor, it was like, I did it because I was like, I want to create, I'm here to make this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether it's space um, or to give people experiences that just might do something mm. extraordinary. So, yeah, I don't, um, so I think it's important to always keep in mind that's how it works is people get, they get a, something they got to make. And if they don't do it or lead it or help this person or collect resources for that or invest in that or start that business, that's how it, or raise that family, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. And there's um, something just terribly soul-sucking about not doing it when you know it's your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah when I hear people who are talking about their thing over and over again, at some point I wonder if they're talking about it. Yeah. Because talking about it, is a way to avoid having to actually do it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about it is energy you s- could spend actually making it. Mm. <laughs> That's good insight. <laughs> I love what Rob said there about the way that creative work comes to him. Some of my favorite authors, musicians, and artists of all sorts have seemed to have the same kind of perspective. It's that idea that, hey, this is how I see the world, and I just want to share it with you. Yeah, you know, and I also really appreciate Rob's insight and unique view of life. We really didn't want the interview to end, but we were on a big road trip. We were traveling all over California. We had more conversations uh, to have more people to meet. But before we left, we had a couple of closing questions for him. And the first was this. Like, if there's one thing, maybe we've talked about it, but if there's one thing you could tell everybody, just one thing you could convince people of, what would it be? You don't have to live like this. Mm. You don't have to live like this. I was in a rough spot a number of years ago. And a friend took me to lunch. He sits down across the hill from me. He says, you don't have to live like this. I was like, I know. He's like, no, you don't have to live like this. Hmm. I was like, I know. He's like, no, you don't have to live like this. He just keeps repeating it. I was like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. And then he just keeps repeating it. Hmm. And I like stop and I get quiet. And he just goes, you don't have to live like this. And I got like really still and then just like tears just. And he just kept going. I don't know how long he repeated it, Mm. but it just completely melted me. Mm. And that's the thing that for so many people, this is just how it is. Uh, But despair is the spiritual disease of believing that tomorrow will simply be a repeat of today, which always takes us back to 
liberation from whatever enslaves you. Um, but for so many people, this is just the way it is. And there is the divine inbreaking that suddenly pierces that despair with, no, tomorrow could be different. And that's actually all you need. You don't need a lot of money. You don't need fame. You don't need to accomplish any things. What you need in your heart is tomorrow could be different from today. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like you wake up today with who are we going to talk to today? That's why a trip like yours is so beautiful is it's a picture of what the whole thing might be able to be, which is you wake up today with, I wonder what today will bring. That's actually the thing everybody wants. Although everybody is told you need more stuff or you need more likes or more followers. But the thing you actually want is to wake up with, I wonder what today will bring. Mm -hmm. So I'm Tuesday night at a club down the street, 173 people, so alive. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know where this is headed. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you took this trip. That's why your listeners listen to you. And that's the thing. You don't have to live like this. Mm. And that's, uh, I think, what a lot of people need. We um, we have this part of our mission with with sandboxes to let people know that you know they're not alone. Yeah, and um, that there are other people, and and we can have these conversations, yeah. and we can be curious about one another and 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 this world and this life. Sure, and and I sense you know there's a lot of that in your work as well. And but we 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 work with um, you know a lot of our listeners come out of a out of a church tradition or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I see a lot of what, um, and, and some don't, but as you've continued your the arc of your career and the things that you're making, you're talking with church people, certainly, but lots of other, you, you know, you're talking to business people and, and, and perhaps, I corp, did I hear like corporate events and, and, and different things? Oh, every sort of weird situation you can imagine. <laughs> is, is, it, is it like the, is it the same thing? I mean, do people just need the sense that, you know, I'm not alone? It doesn't matter, church world, corporate world. I mean... Yeah, I actually never bought church world because early on I kept realizing if it was Christian, then it was human. Yeah. Jesus comes in his full humanity to lead us into our full humanity. So I actually believe... I have a deep conviction that Jesus would be mortified that a religion Hmm. was started in his name. Because he came to free people from the attachments that divide us. And so the fact that a giant movement built itself up as we're Christians and they're not is exactly the thing he came to set people free from. Mm-hmm. He came to invite you into your full humanity. If you actually love your neighbor, your neighbor could be anybody from any background. And if you actually love them mm-hmm. and seek their well-being... The last thing, all fundamental moments of joy and connection with other human beings are moments when the boundaries, divisions, labels, and categories dissolve. The moment when you're not like, oh, but wait, they're a Muslim. I can't be kind to their daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's the exact moment when you're like, this is my friend, this is a daughter, this is my kid. We're all doing this barbecue together. Right, right. So, and this is the giant apocalyptic movement that is happening right now is... The Jesus institution has actually sabotaged the Jesus movement, which is about human solidarity. So like in a lot of my work, I rarely use the word Christian mm-hmm. simply because it actually works against, often, mm-hmm. it works against the thing that Jesus is actually 
doing, which is leading us into our full humanity. And I think what you see now is lots and lots of people are waking up to this. Um, and I think when people talk about religion versus a relationship or religious, not spiritual, I think you have a collective consciousness arising that's realizing, hey, the whole thing is a temple. All ground is holy. We're all human beings. Does anybody have any insight into what it means to be a human being? Um, <laughs> and if your Jesus and your Jesus church perspective, whatever, mm. can't, doesn't have something to say about what it means to be human, then what, what are, we doing? <laughs> then why what are, are you doing? doing? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's what actually what happened to me as a local church pastor is I just kept going. It's almost like I feel like I went into the, to the center and it started to get really compelling. I started to believe even more. <laughs> I became mm-hmm. more deeply compelled uh, by Jesus than ever, but he, but his, he actually takes you somewhere. So CEOs, rabbis, comedians, the guy who delivers stuff for UPS, mm-hmm. uh, my daughter's teacher, uh, my neighbors, yeah. they're humans. So here we are. The whole right. thing's holy. Right. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. If it's, so, tr- if it's true, it's, it's true. Yes. Yeah. And so I read the New Testament as if church is anything, it's simply a body of people who ideally display what humanity ought to look like. Mm. So when it becomes something, what you, are, you, are you in it or not? Mm. Uh, no, I haven't walked away. I walked into it. I haven't turned my back on it. I actually believe that it takes you somewhere. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, and this is why, like, you're, you're, you're doing music in a, in a church, quote-unquote, but inevitably you and your wife end up in living rooms. Right. Because if you stay in the temple, it will somehow work against the thing. Because you'll be like, wait, this music isn't, this music is enslaved to the temple when it wants to be free to be with humans. So I assume with like the stuff you're doing at home, it's like, what religion are you so that I can come to your home thing? It's like, no, it's great music. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. That's actually the Jesus thing. Not come to our building with a label. Mm. Um, And that's the giant thing that is happening now that a lot of people are just waking up to is, oh, wait. The Jesus message actually takes you somewhere. Um, it takes you somewhere. You build a temple, then you have to tear it down. Mm-hmm. It helps you conceive of that, which is holy and sacred, but then you have to tear it down because the whole thing is holy and sacred. The whole thing's there. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the big idea. That's the thing that is coming. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. That's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Man, thank you so much. Yeah. First time on Sandbox. What's that? First time on Sandbox. First time on Sandbox. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. As we said at the outset, we've taken some time to make some big plans for 2017, and we're excited to see what the new year brings. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with another conversation with our friends from CD Health in Turlick, California. This time, they'll be talking about a house concert project they have developed as a way of experiencing holistic wellness. And later in February, we'll have an exclusive interview with some of the people behind something called Nine Beats. You'll hear some familiar voices, including our friends and live event guests, Heather Lynn and Mark Scandrett, who are a part of this project to create songs, instrumentals, and spoken word exploring the ancient wisdom known as the Beatitudes. 
And honestly, this is just scratching the surface of what promises to be a pretty ridiculous year. I can't wait. Absolutely. But with everything going on, let's stay in touch. Sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We want to continue to build the Sandbox community and we'll be better when you're a part of it. Yeah, let's stay in touch. And also be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it. There is always more room in the Sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the Sandbox.